Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi friend, Kristen Klaus here. I have a powerful new course that is launching October 25th. This course is for women who are looking for healing from all types of abuse. Fully Restored from Abuse is a 12-week online course filled with so much information and goodness where we will dig into the root of the hurt and pain from abuse in a Christ-centered way. As a licensed professional clinical counselor, trauma coach, and one who has been healed herself from abuse, your life will be transformed from this course. If you are saying to yourself, I'm ready to be healed, I know there are soul wounds in my life from past abuse, I know I wasn't just hurt physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. If you are saying, yes, it's time, Kristen. I want to be healed. I want my life to be fully restored. Then go ahead, friend, and click the link found in the show notes for this episode. Now back to our show. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I am joined by someone who's actually very special to me and my family. In fact, I've known her since she was a freshman in high school when my family and I moved to a small town in Washington State and her and my daughter became good friends. Lindsay Porter has a powerful story, a story about loss, about heartache, about love, hope, and restoration that's going to inspire you all. In fact, Lindsay She is one of the strongest women I know, and I know you're going to agree with me once you hear her story. Lindsay, welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Hi, thank you. It is an honor to have you here with us. So Lindsay, I have a couple of fun facts before we jump into the questions. You love animals. Everybody that knows Lindsay knows that Lindsay loves animals, and you have a small hobby farm. Yes, small but growing. Okay, so what all do you have on your farm? So far, just a bunny, dogs, cats, and goats. Okay, and I'm sure that you and the kiddos all love all those animals, right? Absolutely. And you grew up with a lot of animals. Oh, yeah. My mom had a hobby farm, too. Yeah, yeah. And you and your husband are in the middle of renovating an old farmhouse. Correct. Okay, and tell us about that farmhouse. It was actually my sister-in-law's grandma's house and it sat vacant for, I think it was like two to three years and needed completely restored. So we could not restore it. It just had been in such bad shape. So we have done a full restoration and we're about halfway done at this point. The interior's done. The outside is needing a lot of work still, but it's a fun process. And you guys are really good at this. So if anyone ever sees your pictures, because you do share that on Instagram, it is amazing the work you guys are doing there. Thank you. Yeah. So Lindsay, tell us a little bit about yourself, your life and your family. So my husband was actually my first boyfriend and we got married really young. I was 20 and he was 26. 
we just had our 12th anniversary. We currently have three kids that are adopted and are in the process of adopting three more. It was a long road to get here. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. So Lindsay, could you share with us where your journey began? You and Erin were married, like you just mentioned. Was it immediately that you tried to become pregnant? I would say about six months in is when we had started trying and I got pregnant that first month. And then what happened from there? I was 12 weeks exactly. And we lost the baby and it was scary because yeah, I just, it was a scary loss. We'll just put it that way. And after that, we decided to start trying again because I've always wanted to become a mother. I've always wanted to be a mom. And I think that, you know, having that baby growing and then losing that baby, it just made that need more, I guess it was a passion of mine to finally become a mom. Unfortunately, we went through a year and a half of infertility after our first baby's loss. And with the help of fertility medication, got pregnant again and lost that baby at 14 weeks and four days. And I was finally diagnosed with, it's called incompetent cervix. And I just couldn't hold the weight of a baby on my own without medical intervention. Surprisingly, we got pregnant again, two months after her loss. And even with medical intervention, I was put on strict bed rest and we made it to 22 weeks and three days when I went into labor with our son. And I was actually forced to deliver him because I had contracted an infection. And so he lived for an hour and a half and surrounded by family where we all sang to him and hugged him and kissed him and prayed over him. And he was blessed by people coming in. And we just felt the love in such an emotionally draining time in our lives. We held our son as he passed in our arms. And that's when I knew I had a different path to becoming mom. Yeah. And I remember those times. Those were really difficult times that you and Aaron and your family were going through. And Lindsay, I have to say, you are definitely someone who was created to be a mom, like you were just a great mom. But on that journey, like you said, you realized there was a different path for you. So how did you get through all of those troubling, dark and difficult times? Where did you find that strength to just keep moving forward? Immediately, right after losing Grayson, I was sitting in the hospital bed and I told Aaron, I never wanted to become pregnant again. So I knew like, I've always wanted to adopt since high school. I said, I actually wanted six kids. I wanted to have four biological and adopt two. We had our teacher, our English teacher, she had adopted from China and her name was Mrs. Mason. And we lost her. I think I was a sophomore in high school to breast cancer. She passed away from that. And she just inspired me to know that I could love somebody that is not biologically mine. And that when I was sitting in the hospital room, I knew that was our path. I didn't know how we would get there. I didn't think we could financially make it happen, but I knew that was how we were going to grow our family. Yeah. Was that what gave you the strength to keep moving forward during that time? Yes, because I knew no matter what we were going through, that God was going to help us get there. He was not going to ignore me. He was not going to hear my cries and my begging to become a mom and turn his back on me. I knew that he had a way of growing our family. 
Which I just thought of another thing, which we really didn't mention at. So your husband, he came, I know his, that's his own story, but he came from a family that did foster care a lot, right? Yes. They adopted five kids through the foster system. Okay. So adoption was not something foreign to you guys. Not at all. Okay. And it was something you were both in agreement about at that point? Yes, but we had thought that we were going to adopt internationally. Oh, okay. And so this journey wasn't easy. Can you share with us about the first miracle God gave you in the middle of this hard journey you faced? That was a suddenly, wasn't that just like a total suddenly take you by surprise kind of moment? Absolutely. Almost a year exactly of Grayson's passing was Mother's Day of 2013. And we were in the process of becoming foster parents in hopes to eventually adopt from the foster care system. So I had already done all the classes and started certifications and all the testing that you have to do. Mother's Day happened and I went to church. Aaron was working weekends, so we were separated and I was having a very difficult day. I remember going to church and one of our church members came up to me and said, happy Mother's Day. And I just, I said, thank you. But I started immediately tearing up because When you are a mom of loss, you feel like a mom, but at the same time, you don't feel like a mom because you don't have a child on this earth. So I didn't know how to take that, I guess. And so by the time church had ended, I was going up to celebrate my mom and my grandma at her house. And I got to my mom's house and I said, mom, I just need a break from it. I'm having a really hard day. And so I went into her house and she followed me and she goes, what's going on? And I, I told her like, it's mother's day and I don't have my babies and I just want to be a mom. She goes, well, I have something I have to tell you. She goes, you're going to be a mom. And I said, what are you talking about? And she goes, Lindsay, my coworker, who was, my mom was my boss. And so my coworker, her cousin's daughter was pregnant, young and the situation she did not want to parent. And she heard about our story um, through my coworker and said that she wanted to meet us to adopt her son. And I collapsed in my mom's kitchen thinking, what kind of sick joke is this? Like you hear about these stories, but you don't ever think that's going to be your story. My mom just held me. And I remember shaking as I'm dialing my husband at work. And he's like, because we had been through so much loss, he's just, he was pretty bitter and I would say pessimistic about this. And he's like, there's no way, no way. It's not going to work out. We can't afford it. And I said, yes, there is. This is going to work out. Is everything is going to happen. I will do this. You believe this on me. I will get it done. Trust me. And he goes, okay, Lindsay, I will. It took a lot of our whole family joining us and gathering around us and kind of persuading him into thinking that it was finally going to happen for him to be like, oh my gosh, we're finally going to be parents. Two months later, somehow I got all of everything done for us to become adoptive parents. And in two months, he was born five weeks early. And we drove from Washington to Montana and got there five minutes before his birth. We have our son who was born in 2013, and he is our miracle. And I did not think an open adoption could be how beautiful ours is, but we have gained a huge amount of family during this listeners can't see, but like I am tearing up right now because I just remember that. I remember that whole thing that it was one of those suddenlies. And then, you know, two months later, and I love that your family came together with you 
and really helped you guys on this process in many ways, not just emotional support, but in other ways that they really were, you guys as a family pursued this first adoption. Yes, it was beautiful. And adoption wasn't really something my side of the family had been a part of, but my grandma and grandpa loaned us the money, like things that happened were, it it just blew my mind. And my brother and my sister-in-law helped us out while we were stuck in Montana with him because you have to wait a certain amount of time before coming home. There's something called the ICTC, which is interstate where you could take a child from one state to another. Everybody just helped us. And my mom, I've never seen her love. He was her first grandchild that was born alive. And I've never seen grandparents love a child like him. They've been such a help for us. But that's not the end of your story. So tell us about your fully restored story. So when Mason was two and a half, we had started trying to have a sibling for him, which surprised me because I never thought I would want to become pregnant again. But I had had a procedure done to make it so I could carry a baby two term healthy. And we just never got pregnant again. And So I, with a lot of persuasion, because Aaron, he was anti-foster care at the beginning. He did not want to do it. He did not have a good experience as a sibling to foster children growing up. Not to run off on our story, but they took a lot of the hard kids and it just, he never wanted that to happen to Mason. And so I had to sit down with him and I said, but if not then how are we going to grow our family? Or how are we going to show Mason like you can take care of somebody and then hand them back to their biological family and reunify? How are we going to get my needs as wanting to mother somebody met while if you're not wanting to help? And so eventually Aaron, his mindset changed. We did the classes and he saw, okay, we could do this. We could definitely do this. No matter if our kids, the babies that we brought into our home, were going back to their parents or going to family, we could take care of them no matter what happens. So in 2016, we became licensed foster parents and brought immediately two little boys into our home. The oldest one was the hardest child I've ever had in 19 kids that I've parented. And the youngest, my husband still thinks of him as big C to this day. He was just He brought so much joy to our lives. And we actually are still friends with their biological family that adopted them. And so Big C and his big brother were a part of our family for four months before I got a phone call about a baby, Jane Doe. They said I could name her whatever I wanted and that she was going to be an adoptive placement. And I was surprised. We said yes. Her, I said yes, and immediately called Aaron, and he was in a meeting. So I gave them the name that he had chosen, Charlotte Louise, and she was our county's youngest legally free child. So she was a baby brought to the hospital, and her birth parents said, I want her to be adopted. She was the sickest baby I've ever had. She came to us detoxing from many different narcotics, and she was just... It was a really scary time with her birth because first of all, she should have been left in the hospital for a longer period of time. And I kind of feel like they did not give us enough training on how to help a baby detox. 
that was a learning curve for me and Aaron. There was a lot of therapies, a lot of doctor's appointments, but she is the light of our lives. We adopted her when she was seven months old and everybody loves Charlotte. Everybody. She is just the cutest four-year-old I've ever met. She's so funny. She is such a stinker too. And she just fit in perfectly. But when she was going back a little bit, um, Big C and Lee, they moved in with their family member. They were adopted by their family member. And we brought in this little boy whose name was Ashton. And a couple months later, we brought in his sister, who her name is Anna. And Ashton ended up reunifying with his biological father. And we adopted Anna um, because they had different fathers. So that one was really sad for me. That was probably my greatest loss was saying goodbye to Ashton because I had fought for that little guy so hard. And his dad has done amazing, but we haven't seen him in three years now. And that's the saddest part because it is Anna's brother. And then fast forward, a bunch of kids came and left us and we've had easy cases. We've had hard cases and most, I would say most of our children have reunified parents. So 19 kids that we've had in our home through foster care and only, I would say five have not reunified and we've adopted or we're adopting three of them. So that's a big, big amount. And I do a lot of rooting on parents. These parents sometimes have no hope and they just need somebody to encourage them and say, no, you can do this. You can change your life for the better. That's what they want. That is what they're begging for. A lot of them have gone through foster care themselves, so they know how this is. You know what, as you're talking, what I'm thinking about, Lindsay, is not only are you somebody that has just like called to be a mom, like you are just an amazing mom, but you also have a call in your life to mentor moms, to teach moms how to be moms, right? Right. And I've done, there's been so many moms that I have just connected with. And there's one of my favorites who we had her son and we called him boss baby. She just all on her own. I've never seen this happen out of all my kiddos. She got clean on her own. She did everything she needed to do on her own, went to beauty school on her own, got a car, got him back. And I just, I, she asked me, she pulled up when I was transferring him to her and she said, can you put my car seat in for me? And I taught her how to put a car seat in her car. She just always touched my heart. And I still follow them to this day on Facebook and I get to see pictures of him. She's just doing so amazing. There's just, there is a need for help for these moms. Sometimes they just don't have anybody that they can trust. And I see as you're talking, I'm thinking about like you built a relationship with them. So it wasn't like the institution, you know, or the government or, you know, child protective services, however you want to say it. It wasn't just them saying you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this or the judge saying that. But they also they need relationship because that's how we learn and grow the best, right, is out of relationships with other people. And so you literally have come alongside these parents that are wanting it. You've helped them in that process as well out of relationship, relationship with their kids and relationships with them, right? Absolutely. And I kind of feel like the state, DCYF, kind of makes it so foster parents and biological parents are fearful of each other. So biological parents see foster parents as a threat and 
foster parents see biological parents as a threat. And sometimes it takes a little bit of just sitting down with a bio parent and saying, what can I do? How can I make you feel more comfortable? I still don't give out my phone number, but I do give out my email to them. And communication is key. Being open and honest is key. So Lindsay, what are some of the biggest struggles and blessings working with a foster care system? The biggest struggle is not enough communication from the state giving the foster parents any information. We're kind of out on our own little raft, just floating with the child and not knowing what's happening with the case, not knowing what's happening if the parents are actually working their plan until court happens. And because we're allowed to listen into court, we kind of get a little bit of information. But yeah, there's sometimes where you think that a case is going one way and then boom, you get the phone call. Hey, that kid's going to be moved. And you don't know why, but it's most likely they're either moving to a relative or back to the parent. It's just, we are treated as only caregivers and not like a parent in the situation. Even if we are the ones who are up all night with a sick child, or I spent five days in a hospital room with one of my kiddos who got sick. And I mean, we're only seen as a babysitter. That's sad. That's sad that it, the system is that way. And that it sounds like, well, you're an advocate in so many ways. And so that is a something that needs to change within the system. And you said something that made me think of, you know, not giving foster parents information. And me as a, a counselor, I've had counties that I've worked with where they were great about connecting with the foster parents and they were great connecting with me as a counselor and giving me the information I needed to counsel the kiddos. But then there are counties such as the one where you live in and that I used to live in and work out of that are not good about that. They were not good as a counselor of giving me information and returning phone calls and giving me, you know, the, the information I needed to counsel them. So that's one of the negative things, but not all foster care overseers, you know, not all county social workers and stuff are that way. What's a blessing that you've had working with the foster care system? My biggest blessing is, I mean, for me, it is my adoptive children that came to me through foster care because most of the time they do reunify. You don't even, you don't go into foster care straight into adoption. You just don't do it. Reunification is always the goal. So for us to have now going on to six children is just mind blowing to me. All of our kids that are adopted have been through abandonment cases. Okay. So what advice would you give someone who's seeking adoption through foster care? Um, so there are a lot of older kids on adoption sites. I, there's one called Northwest Adoption Exchange, which are they're beautiful children. I have looked at quite a few, but I just feel the need to expand our kids past what was in our home at that point. But there are so many kids in need. So many. I do not know the statistics. I just know I will see a face. I will hear their story and my heart breaks for them. There's a lot of teens. There's even younger kids too, but they're large sibling sets. So you don't go into a foster care to specifically adopt. You can have your home study as an adoption home study specifically, and then you can go from there and find your child. I do know that 
adopting interstate is a little bit more difficult, but there are a lot of options and a lot of people that you can contact that will help you in this process. I don't know if they're social workers or adoption workers, but yeah, I would suggest reaching out to somebody like a licensor or social worker in the county that you live in and ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask anything. That's great advice. So with your life experience and where God has brought you today, what are a couple of things you can share with our listeners as they are on their journey of healing? Maybe they have experienced loss and grief such as you have with the loss and grief of losing three children to miscarriages and not being able to to carry them to term, but also just on that journey of adoption. What are some words of wisdom you could share with them? I would say trust in the process is my biggest one. I always have a hard time not having control of everything. And, you know, I have a lot of people that push <laughs> for things to happen. And I, ha- I actually push a lot of times too, but there has to be a time where you're back off and say, I'm not going to stress over this at, at this point. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to let it the time come when it comes. And I'm just going to trust that it's all going to work out because being stressed on top of everything is so it just aggravates your whole process. It it makes you upset, irritable, just yes. So I say trust in the process is my biggest one and believe in yourself. I am somebody who has a lot of self-esteem issues and it has taken me a long time to finally like believe in myself and believe that I am a good mom and believe that I deserve this life and to believe that, you know, this is what God has brought me to. This is more 10 years ago. I would not expect my house, my home to be children. I would not expect to be adopting our sixth child. I would say that trusting in yourself, you know, trusting in the process and push into God. He is the only thing that got me through our losses. The only thing I did a lot of devotionals every single morning. There's a lot of grief devotionals in my Bible app. And I would just go and I would read into it and I'd be pouring down tears, crying and just saying, oh my gosh, that just feeds into my soul. But yes, pushing to God. Those are three powerful things that you just said, you know, pushing into God, seeking God in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your grief, knowing your worth, your, your value, and that here you are 10 years later, not where you thought you were going to be, but, you know, about to adopt Um, because you have, we didn't share that part. You have three that are in the process of being adopted right now, right? Correct. Yeah. So hopefully by the time this airs, they will be fully adopted because you're just waiting on a date. And then also trusting the process, which man, that is so hard because when you have to fight all the time, like you have had to do in this process, it's really hard to stop fighting and just to stop and just say, okay, I got to trust this process. This is when I fight. This is when I just rest and trust the process and trust you, God, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So how can people connect with you online? Um, My biggest platform, I would say, is my Instagram. I share a lot about foster care and adoption and our little hobby farm. It's Lindsay L. Porter on Instagram. And yeah, that's pretty much it at this point. And you're very active on Instagram. So in fact, that was one of the reasons why I thought I need to have Lindsay on here because 
of all the videos and things that you actively share on there on that platform. So Lindsay, in the last few moments we have, could you pray for our listeners, the people that are listening today, they're in the shoes that you've been in. It could be the person that is dealing with loss. It could be the person that is in the beginning stages of adoption or have had adoption disappointments or are in the foster care system. Could you pray for them? Yeah. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come here right now and I ask you to surround each and every person listening. I ask that you just be with us and let us know that we are worthy of your love and your support through everything. I ask that we seek you deeper and further and that you just bring us through the right paths that you see fit for us. Lord, you are amazing. And I'm so thankful for your love and your light into our lives. I ask that who's ever an adoption journey, I ask that you bring that perfect child into their home and you bring their parents to them. I ask that who's ever in the foster care journey, that you see that they are loved and surrounded by so many people that love them, that you give them so much support throughout that process, Lord. And those who have lost children and have been infertile, Lord, just let them know that they are amazing, that they are wonderful human beings, and that they are so loved, that they are worth more than diamonds and rubies. You are amazing, God. Thank you for all that you give us. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. And I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. You could even just go ahead and do that right now. I would greatly appreciate that. I would love to stay connected with you so you can find me on my Instagram account or my Facebook page. Both of those are at author Kristen Klaus. I pray that this episode of Fully Restored Podcast ministered to you, encouraged you, and gave you some hope in the midst of great sorrow that God does hear you, God is here for you, and that he wants to use you in ways maybe you didn't expect that that would be how he would use you or give you the desires of your heart. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.